on this Halloween episode of Comedy Rewind. Is 2002 Scooby-Doo a movie targeted at children, teenagers, or adults? Which cast member has had the best career post-Scooby-Doo? Is it okay to eat a dog biscuit now and then? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, Jono Peck. And joining me for a very spooky episode of Comedy Rewind, stuffing his face full of Scooby Snacks, it's Brendan White from The Hungry Gamers. How you doing? Jinkies, Jono. I am doing... <laughs> phenomenally well even though i do have a stomach full of dog treats i've never felt better have you ever eaten a dog treat i'm sure that there was uh <laughs> there's a story i tried one just the other day again to be honest um i actually you did one in you did it in front of me yeah <laughs> yeah I, I have you know you've known me long enough to know that i have very little shame when it comes to things like that i uh mm. i have been a serial dog treat trier and eater ever since i was probably in nappies uh the story goes that when I was, you know, two, three, four or five uh, and they couldn't find me in the house, they'd often find me hiding behind the curtain with like a, bu- a bowl of dog bickies eating them like chips, <laughs> hiding behind the curtain ashamed. So uh, my mum would always get angry at me, but I uh, couldn't say no to those pedigree pal snacks, I guess. What's your go-to? It's been a while. Maybe um, may- maybe I'd go back to the classics. The, the pedigree was pretty good, but uh, yeah, the-, the recent ones that I tried were um, by a place called Hudson Toke, which is a boutique dog treat purveyor from uh, Queensland. And they make like all kinds of cute ones shaped like donuts and ice cream cones and stuff. And Mm, I thought, I wonder if they taste close to a human donut. And the answer is no, they do not. They taste like rubbish, but uh, the dogs (laughs) love them. So shout out to Hudson Toke. I'm sure there's nothing uh, harmful in these nah. these food products no nah. like they're, they're health like they'd be healthier for me to eat those than actual donuts because like there's no real sugar there's no sweeteners it's all pretty pretty good stuff for a dog comparative to like a big glazed yeast ring from donut king so uh maybe i need to sort of rotate one of those into my diet every now and again <laughs> who knows yeah anyway <laughs> we're here talking about uh scooby-doo from 2002 a film that i had never seen before this rewatch never it's uh no i never caught this one wow um i guess i i mean i I was gonna say i wasn't the target audience but i probably was like i i I probably just thought it was a kids movie because i was you know 14 and scooby-doo was an animated series from when i was a kid so yeah i think that must have been my thinking at the time do you have much skin in the Scooby-Doo game though? Like as a kid, did you still watch the old animated series on all early morning sort of cartoon television? Yeah, like as much as any of the other kind of Hanna-Barbera series, the Flintstones and, you know, old... Uh, what's the... what's the Like George Jetson and... Yeah, I'm trying to think of the old and the, that guy. Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I have got <laughs> nothing. <laughs> The dog is something, something dog. Anyway, it was one of those. It was in that rotation. It was probably better, but it, it did feel like you were watching something from the 60s or 70s, just, you know, the nature of the the, the artwork. But um, yeah, like got nothing against Scooby-Doo. I just, yeah, I guess this just passed me by. But uh, you t- tell me about your memories and experiences with, with this uh, live action movie length feature um i don't have a ton i don't have any cool interesting stories about like a particular touchstone or a flashback to when i was because this was 2002 so i was 16 when Mm. it came out so um yeah i was was sort of during that time i was i'm a big buffy fan so the closest i can sort of have as Mm -hmm. far as a memory is just my my big and still eternal crush on sarah michelle geller so i was very much watching this again with heart eyes as uh, Daphne was on the screen doing her thing, but also just made me think back to a lot of the horror movies of the late 90s into the early 2000s. Like, I know what you did last summer, which had Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. in it, 13 Ghosts that had uh, Matthew Lillard in it, stuff like that. So it sort of all weaves into, you know, the, the topic at hand today, which, you know, the spooky edition of Comedy Rewind, where we're talking a bit of a scarier comedy 
for lack there of a better term, I don't know if you'd classify <laughs> this as scary. Um, I wanted to go with uh, Drag Me to Hell, but uh, that was that was squashed pretty quickly. But yeah, it makes me think of, of spooky films in this same sort of time period because uh, yeah, a couple of the leads just uh, have, have very fond memories for me from, from films and television shows that they were stars of. Yeah, I guess they kind of played on that uh, experience that some of the actors had in, in those types of films. It was interesting to to you know being my first time seeing it to just read up about it and see that it was shot on location in Queensland yeah. and at even at I think at Movie World where you know we went there together a few years ago and they've got the Scooby Doo ride which I don't know if if that's because it was shot there but exactly is Warner yeah so, so they made the ride off the back of the like in parallel with this movie and it was a whole big hullabaloo I remember that being part of the big marketing campaign in 2002 like Back then, we, we were getting Hollywood hits shot here very infrequently, but this was one of, I think, the bigger ones for the time as far as the big mm. A-list US celebrities coming to town and shooting a movie on Australian soil. So it was a bit of a bit of a big deal, old Scooby-Doo. And yeah, then they, they made the ride there at Movie World and the ride has subsequently, I don't know if it's been upgraded in the last two or so years since the last time we were there, but before that it was half busted and it wasn't functioning properly and all the the cool light shows and the the animations that you're meant to experience is just not there and half the ride you spend just in the dark and it sucks <laughs> right yeah okay um but yeah as i was as i was starting to watch this the the thing i guess that it did remind me of was the i, I guess it was around the time that it started to become a thing to look back at these older more campy uh forms of entertainment whether it was like mostly tv shows like you sort of had the brady bunch movie that that was kind of poking fun at the original series and then i think just before this they had like a josie and the pussycats style um live action movie based on another yeah that's another hanna barbera cartoon from from you know the 70s or earlier so yeah, it looked like it was going for that very over-the-top, campy, making fun of, of what they used to do earnestly way back when. In, in, kind of in the, in the same style as Wet Hot American Summer, which was released around the same time. Not that that was necessarily um, lampooning a specific thing from that era, but more just uh, the styles and and the, the settings and the, some of the tropes of, uh, of things that came out around that. So I did appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, I think uh, they, they knew what they were all getting themselves into, whether it be the writers, the producers, the director, or the cast, and they all, uh, I think they all adequately committed to the bit. Yeah. It's, it was interesting to learn, though, that it had been in, work, in the works for so long. Like, it was all through the 90s being developed and... Jim Carrey was attached at one point to play Shaggy. Yeah, to play Shaggy, Shaggy, which is insane. (laughs) And then like Mike Myers was like attached to it for a while and obviously went off and did Austin Powers instead, which is lampooning another thing from from that similar era as well. So yeah, Kevin Smith was even attached at one point, which I can actually see like that would have probably been a better movie and and worked fairly well because a lot of the Jay and Silent Bob stuff is fairly over the top and, and cheesy in like, especially in mole rats, for example. Um, so I think that would have, would have worked pretty well, but this is what they ended up on. And I think again, from what I read, there was a lot of stuff that was cut from the film that was going to make it a bit more edgy and darker and, and more of, um, more of, I guess what it would probably be if it came out now. So like Shaggy was, not just like alluded to be a stoner, but he was like definitely a stoner. And there was all these drug references that were removed. And then I, like it was, this was a, a new story recently because James Gunn, uh-huh. you know, for, of Guardians in the Galaxy fame now actually wrote the script for this and said that Velma was meant to be a lesbian, which is something that's long been like, I guess, rumored or alluded to in, in pop culture. So they, they really toned it down for the kind of family-friendly 
rating, but then <laughs> there's so much stuff in this movie that kind of clashes with that idea as well. So you get left with kind of something that's is it is it for kids? Is it for teenagers? Is it for adults? I'm not really sure, um, and that's probably why it's uh, probably not held in the highest regard by the people that were cast at the time. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Like the movie, the movie at times it doesn't know what it's trying to be. Like it doesn't fully lean into the comedic elements in certain parts, and then it does in others. It's got a few scary elements there that they could sort of re- really played off on more to to make a little bit darker in tone, but. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear about how much of this movie they did cut out because, yeah, James Gunn has sort of since come out off the back of this and all his, you know, his recent global fame or, you know, continued global fame over the last several years now saying it would have been a far different film had the, uh, you know, those scenes not ended up on the cutting room floor. But they've since confirmed now as well they've got a new animated series with Vilma coming out and she's actually, mm. they've confirmed and fully lent into that she is... She's a lesbian and um, it's a little bit more of an edgier, darker tone. So I'm actually curious to see that show because I think it sort of treads a similar line to like the new Harley Quinn or the, the three seasons now of Harley Quinn, the animated series. So I think it'll have a similar tone and feel to it, but just in the in the Scooby-Doo world as opposed to the, uh, the Batman universe. So yeah, I'm keen. Yeah, I did see like Mindy Kaling's involved in that and, and she's always been a fun and clever writer so it'll be interesting to see what they come up with uh with that yeah harley quinn's probably a good reference point for for the style that they'll be going for but um let's move on to the rotten tomatoes score so it was an 84 million dollar budget which sounds pretty high to me uh and it made 275 million dollars so huge hit and uh, I guess led to a sequel, at least one sequel that I'm aware of. So, and the sequel's um, worse than the first one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with that in mind, how do you think the critics received it at the time? My, my gut check is somewhere between thirty and forty. Mm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with thirty three. I'm just gonna sit on thirty three. I feel feel that could be close. It is not. Larry Bird, it is Magic Johnson, 32. Ah, so, that's close. Very close. Very close. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good guess. Um, I've got a few comments here. This is the one that sums up what I was saying before, I guess, from Common Sense Media. Too scary for most kids, too dumb for most teens. <laughs> that's that's very, very on the money, I think. And that's a positive review, that one. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's too scary for most kids, though. I don't think it's very scary, especially you know, something we'll talk about later on, but the CGI mm. doesn't really make you feel like you're in some real danger with these monsters, in parentheses. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can get to that. Uh, and then a review from Outlook says, even its look is awfully cheesy and clunky, special effects notwithstanding. Scooby-Doo makes Stuart Little seem like a Citizen Kane in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Little is a fantastic film, by the way. Little Michael J. Fox is that mouse. Fantastic. But yeah, yeah, this this ain't no Oscar winner, that's for sure, JP. <laughs> All right. We'll 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 ease up a little bit there and uh number one song when this came out, just to take us back <laughs> to two thousand two. What's what's your guess? I'm trying to think of two thousand and two and June, it was June 2002. So June summer, 2002. Summer in the US. Summer in the US. Here, obviously. Like, I know, obviously, we get a good dose of Sugar Ray in this film, but I don't <laughs> think Every Morning was out in 2002. I think that was like 99, maybe, or something. Maybe 2000. I don't know. June of 2002... It's a bit past steps and things like that. It would be... I'm going to go... Give me some Survivor by Destiny's Child. I could be way off, not, but I'm just going to throw one yeah, out there. Not a bad guess. So the actual... So this song was number one for a couple of weeks, then off, then on, then off for a few weeks, and then on. So it, it had an up and down battle with the other songs that were coming out around the time, but it was Without Me by Eminem. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
God. Impressive. Yeah, he just turned 50, by the way. 50, yeah. Eminem yeah, is that, 50 that, that years old. Well, look at the other names that were battling it out with Eminem. Shakira, Underneath Your Clothes. Mm-hmm. Holly Valance with Kiss Kiss. Oh, wow. This was the year we had the Elvis uh, versus JXL, Little Less Conversation. <sighs> Vanessa Carlton, Thousand Miles, Avril Lavigne, Complicated. So that was, you know, that was a good chunk of the year with those tracks. And all those people I mentioned must be close to 50. Some bangers in there. Yeah. I can't stand that Little Less year. Conversation song though. That That's another one of those like nails on a chalkboard tracks for me. I hear that and it just makes my blood boil. It's see, I think it's a really, I think it's a really good song and really well mixed. Except that it's just been so overplayed and so overused that it, yeah, I, I would be like skip if if that came up on Spotify or something. Yeah, definitely. What have you done for me lately? So the star, the true star of this film, Matthew Lillard, I think, as Shaggy, um, he has been. Playing Shaggy. <laughs> yeah. It's been voicing Shaggy ever since this movie in like everything. Pretty much. There's been, I think, a couple other... There's been a couple of things where he, I don't think he's been the voice in everything. But most recently, Multiverses, he's Shaggy, which came out this year. Um, he was... He popped up in Billions. He was in the Scream uh, remake, I guess, as an uncredited... Yeah, it's just part of like flashbacks. Voice role. Yeah, and then Scooby-Doo and Guess Who TV series, which I'm guessing is some kind of thing. Um, and then Good Girls is probably the thing that I've seen him in the most. That's um, a series that... Uh, yeah, I'd say I'm a fan of Good Girls. Have you watched much of nah, it? No, I haven't watched a single minute of Good Girls think, so far. I, th- I think you would like it. Okay. It's, got a, it's got a great cast, you know. Um, Christina Hedricks... It's, it's a good show. It, I would recommend it. Okay. We'll move on from there. So, Freddie Prince Jr. We know that he went into kind of more of a voice acting career after... Pr- pretty much after this movie. <laughs> um, and vi- video games and that kind of thing. Uh, but the last thing he did was Clerks 3 this year. Okay. as a, just a Just a cameo, you know, as... Kevin Smith is wont to do. And then Star Wars, the Bad Batch series last year, he played Caleb Doom or Doom. His missus, though, you're the apple of your eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Also in, in Clerks 3. So I'll have to check that out soon. Masters of the Universe Revelation. Did you check this series out? It's great. I don't know. Th- it's I don't, so good. There were Done two by of Kevin those, Smith as well. It's just mwah. okay. Yeah. Mwah. Right. So that's his one. I knew that there were two Masters of the Universe things that came out the same similar time. Or yeah, and then The Big Bang Theory. She popped up there a couple of years ago too, but also not working a whole lot for someone who was like completely everywhere at the time that this movie came out. Mm. I think probably the biggest, the, probably the best career since this movie came out would be Linda Cardinelli. Like, probably the least expected um, when it happened because, you know, she wasn't on Buffy or whatever, but she's had such a great career. Um, and, you know, she's on Mad Men, she's on obviously Freaks and Geeks before this, Bloodlines, but recently. The Marvel movies uh, as the other half of Hawkeye. And I think you'll be excited that there's another season of Dead to Me coming out later this year. I love that show, JP. I love that show. Mm. It's been a few years or at least, yeah, I think 2020 was the last season we got of that, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because we got the first two seasons in pretty short turnaround and then it's been a couple yeah. of years since. But yeah, I'm so keen to see what they do with that. Yeah, she was great in um, in Mad Men and she was really good in uh, Bloodline as well. And she did a couple episodes of New Girl, which is a comedy I can't help but shout out any chance I get, which is also fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And then the Muppets, Muppets Now, she was in like six episodes. I didn't know that that was a thing, but... I do like me some Muppets, so yeah. Uh, and the last person that's worth mentioning probably is uh, Rowan Atkinson. He's uh, 
He's done Man vs. Bee, which my, my dad's a big fan of. So if you're a, a Bean fan, then maybe try Man vs. Bee. That sounds very interesting. I'm I'm very respectful of Rowan for still uh, keeping at it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed he's still getting blood out of that stone. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're like 10 minute episodes, I think. So it's it's kind of more of a, I don't know. What do you, what do you call it? It's, is there a name for something that has shorter episodes? Usually you'd say like web series, but yeah. it's on Netflix. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's probably a name for it, but I got nothing. Yeah. Yep. And then I, I guess I should probably also mention someone that I didn't even recognize in this movie, Isla Fisher. I just, it just didn't register that it was her Rude. Like being blonde. I was just like, I, the whole time I was like, I know who that is. I need to look it up when this movie's finished. And it was uh, a very much younger Isla Fisher who, um, what's she done lately? She, she was in that in series in that wolf w- like me. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, Josh Gad. Yes. Which is actually yeah. really good, by the way. And then did a Curb Your Enthusiasm run a couple of years ago too. But anyway, we're going to get into the categories. Brendan, what's the most 2000s moment of Scooby-Doo? I think the most 2000s moment for me is, well, parts of the fashion. Because there's there's parts of, parts of this universe and this film where they're leaning heavily into the 60s and 70s of Scooby-Doo peakdom where, you know, Fred's got his flares and he's, you know, his certain hairstyles and there's big pointed collars and all that. But then you see a lot of the general youth coming to Spooky Island yes. <laughs> and they got the puka shell necklaces, the bleach blonde hair, the, the cut-off T-shirt sleeves, the spikes and all that. And it feels very much like when I'm thinking back to those days, I'm like, man, I had a puka shell necklace. I know many people that had necklaces like that and the sleeveless shirts and the crazy big baggy jeans and the hairstyles. So that is probably the biggest 2000s moment for me, but also then weaving in some of that soundtrack, like hearing bands like MXPX play, it just teleports me straight back to the 2000s and like bobbing around my room, singing Responsibility and all the other bangers that they had. Responsibility is still probably my favorite MXPX song, followed by Chick Magnet. But you know, that's a story mm. for another day. But <laughs> yeah, some some of the bands and artists on that soundtrack. And then the other part that's the most 2000s moment for me is the emphasis in that scene where Shaggy and Scooby are having the burp slash fart off. It makes me think like oh, farts yeah. and burps are very... Late 90s, early 2000s for me, like I think back to South Park and, you know, films like this where there's just a lot of fart and burp related jokes and scenes play out and they're my 2000s moments. It was tough because, yeah, it was sort of mixing those fashion errors and time periods into the one movie, but it still felt very 2000s for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. There was, yeah, definitely that that vibe with the, I guess, the young adults that are off to spooky island to party or whatever it is uh i have the same thing with the music mxpx shaggy is in this movie and sugar ray even appear in the movie can you Um, believe that kylie minogue is on the soundtrack by the way (laughs) yeah i can believe that i'm sure there was some kind of like australian warner brothers connection or something or other yeah and like baja men very 2000 simple planner on there so it is a very wow, 2000 man. soundtrack. It timestamps yeah. the movie really well. And then Sugar Ray being in the film. And no one says, oh, it's Sugar Ray or anything. You're supposed to know who they are because they're so big at the time. Um, that was pretty weird. <laughs> Especially when it wasn't just... like You expect to see a band like that and then they're just in the background. But then they became like part of the... Plot. Yeah, they were they they ended up becoming sort of pseudo villains trying to to attack <laughs> Mystery Inc. You know, and and even like yeah. uh, she's more nineties, but still you know has maintained her double peakdom. I guess you could say Pamela Anderson getting the random yes. cameo at the start where she's running a toy toy manufacturing plant. Yeah, she was still she still had that. Uh the aura mm. of the 90s on her I'd say by 2002 or especially like 2001 when they filmed most of this most iconic scene I had two things here but I'm and I'm, I'm thinking you probably have the same but you, you tell me no nah, you, you throw me your ones first I'm gonna <laughs> cast it back at you this time 
Okay, okay. So, the first things I thought of when I was coming to write my notes were the opening, because that is kind of... It's, it's, it's the live action version of the cartoon in its purest form of, you know, we've got a ghost, we've got the Mystery Inc. gang trying to take them down and then obviously demask them and it's old man Smithers or Withers or whoever <laughs> whoever it is <laughs> that week. And you get week, the kids line and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's like the the cartoon brought to life, like literally. And then the body swap scene where, you know, you've got Fred in, in, uh, uh, in Daphne's, Daphne's body and, and, you know, the others are bouncing around and that was probably, it was probably actually the funniest part of the film to me. And they had a lot of fun with, with the, you know, the different characters and it was weird hearing their voices inexplicably come out of each other's <laughs> bodies. Like that doesn't even make sense, but just go with it because it's funnier i guess that way uh so they they were the two sequences that i had and also that body swap scene is where apparently the original uh cut of the film had a kiss between velma and daphne that was removed there you go a bit too risque for 2002 children apparently so i'm with you i i wrote the the opening sequence because it was a a big homage and, and just ripping ripping the the animated series to life um, in a, in a really mm. really nice way, uh, but outside of that, there wasn't anything like iconic in this movie for me throughout the most. There was, a, there was like a a series of little set pieces or moments, but nothing that I could sort of put above that opener, which sort of just really hit I think on the potential, and then they never really got back to that. <laughs> For one yeah. reason or another, um, the, the fart the fart scene was my distant third. Yeah, but uh, but the little fart scene, like the part where they were in in the um the spooky castle and all the villains are sort of meeting in the middle because they're trying to find them. And they quickly get changed into the the um the costumes and they're sort yeah. of frozen in motion. And then Shaggy does the big fart through the the armored suit, and it like because and Velma's like uh, a wizard around a cauldron, and the fart like sparks the big cauldron up. That other part, actually, that was the part that I think made me laugh the most in the whole movie. It was just a nothing little fart, but it was just comedically done very well by everybody. Can't beat a good fart. You really can't. Gag. Oh man. Okay. Uh, so, what do you think holds up the best? I think the the primary cast. I, I feel yeah, that I had the same thing. I like Freddie Prince, like you know, he, he plays the the himbo really well and, and at times I guess he sort of looks a little bit weaker in comparison to the other three, but he's also committed to that sort of himbo bumbling handsome jock idiot type of type of sort of trope. But um yeah. Linda Cardellini is as Velma is certainly, you know, all in. She's fully committed to that role. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne, Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. I think those four really anchored this movie and they fully were walking in those respective characters' shoes and gave it all they could, like reading some of the some of the the levels that Matthew Lillard went into before, you know, auditioning yeah. for this, and he like consumed every piece of Scooby Doo content on the planet to play Shaggy. Like like you said, it's he's not in Citizen Kane or Shawshank Redemption here. <laughs> this is Scooby Doo the movie and the commitment he showed to get this role as Shaggy, the the alleged stoner, uh, was was, you know, knew no bounds. So yeah, I wanna wanna shout out to those four. I think that holds up the best. He he was um going all out. Like he would at, at some point in filming, like to begin with he was screaming his voice hoarse so that he could get the proper kind of squeaky voice, which is a pretty hardcore commitment for an actor to even attempt to just like destroy their voice to get a better performance. <laughs> but then it was it was just becoming too much, so he just started faking it after a, after a point. Yeah, I, I mean, I had the same thing. So, you know, the cast being either going on to do great things since then or being like really massive at some point when the movie came out i think that's what makes it fun to to look back at so you know even though freddie prince and sarah michelle's careers like you you might be following 
her closer than I have, <laughs> but I feel like they've probably not lived up to like the promise of, you know, cruel intentions and uh Buffy and whatnot. Like it's it's probably been not not through no fault of theirs, probably, especially with Freddie more choosing things that are more low key and him doing voice acting and Mass Effect and, and whatever else instead of those uh, rom-com roles that they could have done till the cows come home. Yeah, I think they, they sort of settled and focused a little bit more on home life and raising their kiddos mm-hmm. and whatnot. And yeah, Freddie Prinze, I know he was like a writer with the WWE for a while and he like <laughs> streams with on Twitch here and there yeah. now. Uh, but no, I haven't really kept up to date with the, the comings and goings of... Uh, SMG, but uh, maybe I need to need to do a little bit more research and see what she's been up to. Yeah, and then with Matthew Lillard and Linda Cardinelli, I think that they've both had really good careers. He's more of, a, I guess, more of a character actor. I'd, I'd say like he's just, uh, you know, plays a certain type that's not shaggy, which you know that does show his range, I guess. But um, yeah, Linda Cardinelli, you can kind of slot her into any kind of role. She's just. She's a great she actor. Play She's a so, great actor. So much, yeah. She's fantastic. Bloodline, man. So good. Okay. Um yeah, so so I had that as well as like some of the the lampooning they do of the original Scooby Doo, I think is really clever and holds up well. And there's a lot of uh cheeky nods to the adult stuff that they obviously couldn't go full ham with, whether it's like allusions to smoking bongs um, in the in the mystery ink van yeah. <laughs> yeah and even like um eyelid fisher's character being called mary jane uh-huh. he's like i love that name that's my favorite name or or whatever it's like yeah it's it's very much um tongue-in-cheek with stoner references that the kids wouldn't get and i i appreciated that yeah i'd love to see some of those cut scenes just to see how how crazy they lean into the the more adult comedy and and maybe the references become a little less subtle but uh maybe, mm. maybe one day we'll get the uh the james gunn scooby-doo cut who knows yeah <laughs> well now that he's come out and said what he said then uh yeah it would be interesting to see if if those holding on the, to the rights will release it. although it's, it's probably there in the deleted scenes to to track down on the internet somewhere so mm. yeah might have to to do that this is probably going to be fun brennan what holds up the worst well i'm going to start with just a couple of little throwaways and then i guess we can we can dig more deeper into the the seriousness side of, <laughs> of the the parts that are the worst so firstly uh fred's wig and then fred's just general hairstyle pretty rough uh brad can I tell the- you something that can i tell you something that might surprise you it's not a wig at the like in the in the second sort of iteration right but the start that was a wig wasn't it oh, okay probably when it was longer was it yeah yeah before yeah, they broke uh, up he had sort of the longer sort of straight okay. from the 70s hair and then he got the the nice more slick back fade almost for the rest of the right. film the thing that i read was that he had to shave his head at the end of filming because the bleach had destroyed his hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so. the things you do for beauty and fame eh so yeah I'm going to shout that out. And also there was a random Aussie actor playing a guy named Brad that went up to one of the other female actors when they first land, like got to the island and they're like, oh, you know, the kids aren't, the kids are acting responsible now and they're not being children anymore. And she, he goes up and he's like, hey, I'm Brad from, you know, like from College. grade 11 or whatever. School. And she throws yeah. him and he's got like just the old, uh, the crown spikes, I think they're called, that hairstyle. Absolutely yeah. atrocious. Uh, I already mentioned it earlier, but um, yeah, the official ride at Movie World, that has certainly held up the worst as well because it's very busted. The tattoos on the one of the, the sort of the primary henchmen, like his head tattoos, it looks like someone has grabbed a Sharpie and just drew them on really quick before they went went live. Yeah, I had the same thought. It's it's such a dark, thick black that it's, it just doesn't look like a tattoo at all. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not natural. And then... Um, <laughs> couple of plot inconsistencies here or there uh also then later on there was a part that sort of i don't know why i wrote it down and why it irked me so much but you know they they lean heavily into the second velma doesn't have her glasses on she can't see anything at all but once she's 
sort of been possessed by this spirit monster thing. She's got perfect vision all of a sudden. Like, give me, give me some more backstory. Give me some lore over this, this sort of <laughs> um, supernatural deity and, and these healing qualities that uh, is given to the people here. And then the last part, obviously, the CGI. It is pretty rough at times. It is very rough, very noticeable uh, with some of the models. Scooby's okay. He's not the worst. I think for the most part, but... He looks like a superhero compared to some of the other um, CGI that you get thrown around in this uh, in this film. So the CGI for me is definitely the uh, the worst offender. Yeah, the the <clears throat> demon monsters look terrible. Um, yeah. Just even even their design, they're kind of like um, they look a lot like Death Claws in the Fallout series, but just completely. <sighs> I don't know enough about CG to to <laughs> define what is off about them, but it, it's just badly like the the motion is off. There's nothing realistic about the way they move. Um, about like you know their frame rate, and there's a scene where they they're carrying the other the <laughs> yeah, characters. Like with, yeah, their hands are just <laughs> their hands aren't like grasped around the characters like um limbs or anything they're just kind of floating and yeah it's quite laughable yeah they, they <laughs> feel the main monsters they feel very flat amongst the 3d world like there doesn't feel like there's a there's much depth to them and yeah you see it in those moments where yeah the hands are still just flat and the you know velma's in there <laughs> throwing around because she's she's been held by it but it just doesn't marry up with the physics and yeah like 2002 i was trying to think of like films in 2002 that were heavy CGI and there'd be a lot that's far better than um, than Scooby-Doo, that's for sure. We had three Lord of the Rings movies. There you go. <laughs> by that point. But I know a lot of that, you know, there's heavy, heavy emphasis on practical effects there, but there was some phenomenal CGI in Lord well, of the Rings as well. I say three, it was two. So the two towers, I think, had come out at the end of... Of this of two thousand two, so we saw Gollum. You know, you compare Gollum to to these characters, and um, it's night and day. Yeah, not to mention, you know, the gold standard of Jurassic Park that came out eight years earlier. Yeah, we had but, like you know. Spider Man came out in two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. The Ring had some really cool um, special effects with people busting through the telly and things like that. Um, X Men came out the year prior. Oh, Resident Evil came out in uh, 2002. <laughs> Another absolute banger. But Blade 2 came out in 2002. That's got some good CGI. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the, the special effects budget, I reckon that would have made up a lot of the, you know, 85 or 84 million that it cost to make this movie. Um, but even still, I mean, yeah, like you said, Scooby's not the worst thing in it. I guess it was. It wasn't painful to look at. Scrappy Doo, way more cartoony, um, and not as much fun. <laughs> I forgot that he was in the movie. To be honest, like when I was yeah. rewatching it today, I was sitting there going, "I'm pretty sure Scrappy's in one of these movies, in some regard, just as like a throwaway." And then I'm like, "Oh, there he is!" And then I totally forgot that he becomes. You know, he's the yeah. He's the big bad or the little bad. It was funny as a throwaway and then it was like the big twist. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's probably, yeah, the CG is what I had for holding up the worst. And then also just the fact that they toned down so much of, I think, what would have made the movie funnier in, in being more adult and just going, like committing to, to saying maybe this isn't a movie for children. Um, and, you know... I think we alluded to it before and you were saying it's not that scary, but I think for kids, there's like scenes where there's like knives flying around and um, the monsters are corny enough to not be scary, but they're still like possessing people and there's a bit of, of creepy stuff in that regard, like... You know, we didn't all watch Pet Cemetery. Uh, yeah, in, it's fair enough, John. In the school I'm holidays. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't we... thinking about most of the normal kids. <laughs> so that's all I'll say about that. 
We didn't all get raised on a diet of um, cornflakes and, and Stephen King. Yeah, thanks, mum. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who would be the most offended? All I had for this was the original creators of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that. Like, they, they didn't... There wasn't anything that was too shocking throughout the movie. Um, it's funny, like, do, reading other, like reviews like that have done recent rewatches just to sort of refresh my memory and see if there's anything I missed. And it's funny too, because there was, there was this one article that was just all about uh, the director's obsession with females with big breasts. And then like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know what? That's kind of true. There's, yeah. there's boobs and low cut and cleavage. And like, I'm not shaming the female body. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's all fine, <laughs> but it was funny that that was so evident in just about every female character you met in this movie. Yeah, and that's another area where it's like, is this for kids? Because Velma starts off in her typical kind of turtleneck or whatever. And then by the time you get to the body swap, it's like a low cut top and there's cleavage. And, you know, Linda Cardinelli, very pretty, very pretty lady. Uh, and she she rocks the outfit no matter what. It is so. It's it's kind of like, yeah. I could see I could see the, the twelve and thirteen year old boys enjoying this film. Yeah, jinkies indeed. Am I right, John? Am I in right? The other one oh. I wanted to say, oh. um, <laughs> who else would be offended? Is anyone with decent taste buds or like that jo- enjoys normal food? Like some of the flavor combinations that Scooby and Shaggy are waffling off as far as you need to eat this, and you know when he they do the the metaphor about, you know, we're all parts of this Sunday and they're throwing in mustard with the ice cream and bologna and all these things that just don't go together. And he says it's delicious. And then there was like chocolate sauce, eggplant burgers, which was the misdirect from everyone thinking they were smoking up in the van, having a blaze. Mm. And then also the other part that it's funny because you mentioned it right off the jump as far as who else might be offended um, is maybe people that are very anti-eating and promoting of you know pet based snacks where Mary Mary Jane's just openly munging on Scooby snacks on the plane and you know uh, Rowan Atkinson's Atkinson's character's got them in like a little snack jar in his office but now I'm thinking about it out loud that was in fact Scrappy Doo at the time as the robot Rowan Atkinson mm. so it makes more sense why he's got them now but yeah. yeah food food aficionados would be offended and um yeah, that's that's the biggest one. It's it's it toes the line pretty well outside of that. Bit of foreshadowing there with uh, Rowan Atkinson <laughs> eating the the, the Scooby snacks. Yeah, I didn't didn't even pick up on that until just now. Had a had a mental moment. Mm, I just thought of another two thousands moment. It's when Velma says, "Let's get jinky with it." Yes, <laughs> which is you know, uh, Will Smith's. Big Willie style came out in like 1997 or 1998. So it's not necessarily the most 2000s reference, but you wouldn't be able to get away with that being a reference to a song from a few years earlier in the 2010s. Yeah, or mentioning it now. Like if you ever drop that to me on a podcast, I'd be like, yeah, cool, man. I'm uh, I'm out. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good times. All right. Does this pass the internet relevancy test? No. Yeah, I don't think it does either. I can't remember a all. single GIF or meme doing the rounds in the last 20 years of this movie. Like, I can't remember a single scene or a single line where I'm like, yes, I've used that in a, in a statement or in, in a conversation. Mm. So, a big no for me. No. Sim- pretty simple there. Uh, how would modern smartphones and social media change? scooby-doo um well freddie wouldn't have written a book i'm assuming he had a, he would have a blog or like a tiktok or something like that where he's doing all these memoirs and everything else um outside of that i don't know what else would potentially change because there's no sort of gaps in this movie where technology would would solve it quicker or get mm. the resolution done in a more swift or um, effortless manner so i don't know if it would change much jp yeah, they'd just be using the torches on their phones for <laughs> for light in the dark areas. And yeah, I think Velma would be a blogger, like a, a true crime. Maybe uh, she'd be like a Sarah Koenig doing the serial podcast kind yeah, of yeah. figure. And Freddie Prince, days. yeah, he'd definitely be uh, he'd definitely be like a content creator, right? 
Yeah. Like a social starlet. Yeah, probably an influencer. Instagram influencer. I guess the, ascots. the only other one was instead of the the random guy having to hand deliver all the invitations to Mr. Inc., they could have just got it via an email or a, a Twitter DM, save some time. Yeah, for sure. And I guess we're, we're kind of crossing already into could you make this today and what would it look like? And as I mentioned earlier, I think if this came out now and clearly based on you know the Mindy Kaling animated series, the sexuality would be a lot different with with Velma and even like uh, the relationship between Fred and and Daphne, I think, would be more overt. Like that, they, they allude to like, let's split up. You know, me and Daphne will go this way, and Velma was like, "Why do you always? Why do I always get stuck with uh, going by myself, basically?" Mm-hmm. And and then that's uh, it's funny because they then they have the kiss at the end, but even then. Daphne's like, no, we can't do that and whatever. And it's like never spoken of or mentioned again. And apparently that's the only time in Scooby-Doo lore up until that point that they were like in, like overtly together or had any overt romantic interesting. moments. Interesting. Yeah. And another interesting like 20, 2012 Reddit uh, AMA, Matthew Lillard said that in the original cut they revealed Fred was gay and that Freddie Prince Jr. had portrayed him that way throughout the film. So I don't know, maybe the, the kiss was like a reshoot or something. Maybe. Just tacked onto the end. Well, did you see, um, I saw in the in the notes as well, like William Hanna, this was the last time he served as executive producer before he died. So maybe he saw the cut of this movie and just, you know, <laughs> keeled over then and there. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think they be a bit more risque and targeting more maybe more like a um what's the rivers riverside yeah like riverdale yeah that's that's what i had in my notes i thought it would be like riverdale it'd be part of that full connected universe with jughead and archie like that kind of world with sabrina the teenage witch and all that this would exist in that realm i had that and i had lock and key written down as well yeah i'd go for that i'd watch that for sure i don't know how you solve the whole talking dog thing (laughs) they'd find a way they'd find a way they'd probably talk about how scooby's actually like a demon from another another dimension and he's come through some portal or something i don't know you know what they would do they would just have it so that shaggy's the only one that can understand him but he's actually just like high the whole time (laughs) so he's kind of like hallucinating and then when everyone else looks at scooby they just see like a regular dog yeah the dog just follows them around doesn't do anything (laughs) heroic or whatever just follows them around (laughs) yeah but whenever shaggy and scooby are together he's he's scooby-doo that that would be great you'd you'd know you'd have a full bottle episode where shaggy trips too hard and it's just him on like this big (laughs) drug fueled adventure with with scooby-doo absolutely yeah uh well this brings us to the steve buscemi spark plug award steve buscemi a real spark plug. I don't really know where to go with this because I mentioned basically all the actors that were worth mentioning in the uh, where what what have you done for me lately? Um, you, you mentioned Christian Schmid, who played Brad. From, <laughs> he can't get the uh, Steve Buscemi award. No, he can't. <laughs> it's it's got to come him, down to Isla Fisher or Owen Atkinson, right? Yeah. When you mentioned that Australian guy, I looked him up when he was on Neighbours and. Sea Patrol. And and Michaela uh, Bannis is the girl that throws him. Like She Hulk picks him up and launches him across the across the way. Right. Geelong boy. There Geelong you go. boy. So shout out to Christian Schmidt. Wonder if his internet's better than yours. <laughs> I think you're right. Like Rowan Atkinson and Isla Fisher are both in the movie way more than most of our typical spark plug nominees. But it has to be between them. And I think Rowan Atkinson doesn't chew the scenery quite as much as, as Isla Fisher, so I'm going to give it to him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I just love that, like he is, you know, acting royalty, and he somehow ended up in like I know he's he's done Johnny English, what was that yeah. Johnny English? Like he's done some shit movies. He he's just mailed it in for checks, and it feels like this was one of those ones where he's like, I need to buy a new car or a new house. Um, manager, can you find me a role? And they're like, Hey, what do you think Scooby Doo? He's like, Yeah, done. Let's go. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, so give it to Rowan Atkinson as Emil Mondavarius. There you go. Um, congratulations, Rowan. I'm sure that you could not care less. Brendan, <laughs> is this still a good movie? Was it ever a good movie? I don't know. I don't think it ever was, but it runs for a little under 90 minutes. I didn't regret re-watching it. I had a passable time. Like, there wasn't many laughs, but there was a couple where I did get a few genuine chuckles out of it. It was kind of cool to see some of these cast members just having fun as Mystery Inc. and everything else. So I'm going to say it's a fine. I'm going to do the cheat mm. cop-out here and say it's a fine. So it's a pass, but that doesn't define if it's a good or a bad movie. It's right in the middle for me. Yeah, I mean, as mentioned, this was my first time watching it. I'd say that generally, overall... I enjoyed it more than I didn't enjoy it. Uh, but do you need to go back and watch it again? Probably not. If you've got kids and you think that they are old enough to... See, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know who to recommend it to. It's a tough one. Um, if if I know, had people... kids, if I had kids that were, say, five years or up, I'd let them watch this and I wouldn't be too worried. But I'm from a different world, as you said, so I don't know if that's a, a good benchmark to work off. Yeah, I mean, I did I did have Micah with me when I was watching this, but he's two, and like the I, my theory was that the scarier stuff he would not be scared by because he doesn't know what's <laughs> going on. Uh, I just like, oh, look at these funny monsters. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, monsters. So yeah. Anyway, uh, don't tell Hannah. That, uh, that that happened and we'll all be fine. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, ha- Halloween coming up to, you know, October month. If you want to watch something with your kids that's not uh, Freddy or Jason, chuck this on. You'll be fine. And there's sure. like, I, I watch this on stand for any Australian listeners and there is an archive that goes deep of Scooby-Doo. Like I had to scroll for so long to find the movie. I just searched like Scooby and I'm like, the movie's not even on here. And I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. They've done so many little standalone films, all animated. There's only the, this movie and the sequel that are um, with real actors. They they did do a Daphne and Velma movie yeah. recently, which is also live action, but it doesn't really connect into much from what I can gather. But yeah, there's a lot of Scooby-Doo yeah. for you and your family. That's for sure. Yeah, that was like a direct to video or whatever you call it these days. Um I watched it on Netflix, so yeah, I guess popular enough to be on multiple platforms. Anyway, uh, dear listeners, thanks for joining us again. You can subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Share it with your friends. Grab your 8-bit merch over at shop8bit.net. You can kick us over some coins at Kofi ko-fi.com slash we are 8-bit if you want to support what we're doing here. And uh, of course, the Podchaser, Spotify, Apple reviews, they go a long way to helping the show get discovered and found and noticed across podcast services. So that's always helpful. Brendan, is there anything you wanted to mention while you're here? Uh, not particularly. I just want to hear your best Scooby-Doo impression before we go. Raggy? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. Was a good, I don't know, but it'll do. <laughs> Uh, you can catch Brendan at Brendan8bit across the socials. You can catch me at Jonah himself. Dear listeners, thank you once again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind.